Welcome to the U.S. Family Office RealEstate.com podcast with your host, DJ Van Curen. Each podcast is about real estate-related topics specifically for family offices. Now your host, DJ Van Curen. So, um, so Antonio, why don't you tell me a little bit about um, your family's history, and because um, you're located down in Puerto Rico, right? Right. So, so um, tell me a little bit of the origin, um, you know, the industry where the wealth is created, and a little background. Okay, perfect. So, uh, my family history comes uh, basically from uh, 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 Spain, of uh, Spain. From Spain, uh, most of the family members and, and friends migrated to Cuba. So I will say that the more, more recent history or more current re- history comes from Cuba, uh, from my great-grandfather. Uh, from there, he uh, uh, migrated to Puerto Rico, uh, where he uh, moved into the south part of the island called Ponce. And there, he started his own company. He uh, became an engineer, mechanical engineer. Uh, by that time, uh, when he was in Puerto Rico, it was in the uh, uh, early 1900s. Uh, you had all the sugar canes were the major industries in Puerto Rico. So uh, basically, most of the uh, sugar plantations uh, needed the big machinery equipment to produce the sugar. Uh, and those are the mills. So uh, my grandfather founded uh, a foundry uh, to produce and manufacture some of the major uh, pieces of equipment for those mills to, to function and to work. Uh, so he did, uh, f- uh, created that foundry and produced m- most of those uh, uh, parts. And with that, uh, he started all that business as well with his uh, 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 sons, which were four of them. And then one of them was my grandfather, uh, which Louis, which is Luis Ferre, and he's the one that became governor of Puerto Rico. So, uh, so that was in 1968. So by that time, when he was governor of Puerto Rico, he became governor of Puerto Rico. Uh, my family owned uh, basically a cement company in Puerto Rico. Uh, it did own also a carton of paper company as well in Puerto Rico, and then it had operations of cement as well in, um, in Miami, and then a, um, a glass uh, operation in Venezuela, uh, and those were kind of the major assets. Then uh, when my father uh, was elected governor, he, uh, he had a newspaper, a small newspaper in the south of the island called uh, El Dia. So he uh, sold that newspaper to my father. So my father bought that, news, that newspaper from my grandfather, and then he decided to move that newspaper uh, from the south part of the island in Ponce to the north part of the island, San Juan. So while my, father, my grandfather was governor, my father was uh, managing this new newspaper that then he changed the name called El, El Nuevo... El Nuevo Día, the New Day in English, and he was also president of Puerto Rican Cement, 
uh, as well during that time. So that was early uh, 1970s. Uh, and then after that, uh, he, grew, he started growing the, uh, the newspaper business while he was running the cement company with my grandfather. So the cement company became public in 1963. So it was the first public corporation uh, in Puerto Rico. Uh, so they, they, uh, he, he ran the company as, as, as well as the newspaper. After the 1980s, early 80s, uh, my father, uh, the newspaper kept growing and growing. So by, by the end of the 80s, he decided to step down running the daily operation of the cement plant and the cement factory, and then moved uh, more of his time towards the newspaper, uh, El Nuevo Dia. And from there, he started uh, basically uh, putting most of his time and diversifying the family from that, from that part, uh, from the newspaper. So that was in the early, early 1990s. Uh, and then that's when this next generation came in, so that's my generation, so we are third generation. And from that time, then we decided to uh, invest in other areas and diversify a little bit away from, from media, and that's where we entered into other uh, businesses as, as real estate, uh, customer engagement, and then uh, also uh, we moved more towards the uh, uh, database management and uh, and uh, web web management. So, so basically, with the third generation, it came more of diversification part. Uh, but most of the wealth was created uh, between my grandfather and uh, my father. And from there, then we, as a third generation, tried to diversify the wealth away. This is kind of a very short, short, short story. <laughs> so, so when did so when did your grandfather um, move to Puerto Rico initially? My grandfather was born in Puerto Rico. That this was my great grandfather. Great grandfather. Okay. Yeah. My great grandfather moved to Puerto Rico uh, close to 1898. Uh, wow. Yeah. So, and then your and so, but it was your grandfather that really started the family wealth. Yeah, I would say it was between between my uh, great grandfather and my grandfather, both of them. I, that that hmm. generational that uh, generational uh, shift kind of uh, uh, created uh, most of the wealth. Uh, and uh, as, as, and this is a learning experience as well. This branch of the family. Uh, yeah. As well, what happens is that they created all this wealth, but there was no succession planning during that time, and most of the siblings from that generation, from my grandfather's side, uh, they didn't plan well the manage of the family wealth, so it it kind of broke into pieces. So different uh, uncles uh, decided to keep some of the different assets so one one group stay with the with the uh, 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 cement plant and the cement facilities in Miami or in Florida the other mm -hmm. one stay with the cartons the other one stay with the uh, glass manufacturing so my family direct family side stayed with this was my grandfather my father with the cement in Puerto Rico mm -hmm. so most of the wealth was kind of disappeared 
from those uh, events uh, following that segregation of those assets. And, uh, and then my father and my grandfather started creating the wealth again, basically. So would you, so you mentioned yourself being a third generation. Would you more so, if you include your great grandfather, that would make you fourth, right? Right, that would make us fourth. Yeah. Right. So, did they own any of the real estate in the for the cement company? Yes, they did. They did. And, go ahead. Go ahead. No, please. No, uh, they, they did own the real estate, uh, and this real estate was uh, created because uh, we had two operations in Puerto Rico, mm-hmm. uh, one in Ponce and one in San Juan. So once, once you had the quarries where you had to get all the material out to produce the cement, uh, right. then you had pieces of land that you can develop. So in the south part of the island where we had the cement plant, after the quarry was depleted, then it became a an industrial an industrial uh, real estate play for the family. So that's Got how it. we start, that's how we started getting into real estate. And so, would you say that was would be the second or third gen, or would it be more of your generation? No, that would be the second gen. Okay. Yeah. And and then, did you guys start acquiring any other real estate outside? of the real estate that was related to the quarries and, and whatnot. Um, when you, when your generation started to take over or was that starting to happen beforehand? No, we started acquiring other real estate when the, with my father and our generation. So a Got lot it. of that real estate was acquired through a, through a level D the newspaper. So we yep. acquired many industrial, uh, 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 uh areas and, uh, and yep. those, we developed those got it so those were industrial properties industrial properties and well, for example the property that we have now here which is city view plaza our office building yes. uh, this one at one time was part of the quarry and, oh okay and this one we then purchased the land and purchased more land that we needed and then decided to to start uh getting into the real estate in the office space as well. Got it. And was that just in Puerto Rico or outside of Puerto Rico? No, that was just in Puerto Rico. Okay. And now how many of the current family members are involved in the family business? Right now we are five, the five siblings. Five. Yep. And you're heading up the real estate, right? Correct. I'm heading up the real estate at this time. So what made you decide to uh, um, to really start uh, building out the real estate portfolio um, within the last year, really, is when you started to say, okay, we're going to create an entity and we're going to go out and, and build this business, correct? Yes, but more, more on that is that we decided to get into real estate outside Puerto Rico we had it before yep. in Puerto Rico, but outside Puerto Rico about uh, eight years ago. And, and oh, okay. That, and that was the, the thinking behind that was that we knew that Puerto Rico was, was entering into a recession yep. and we needed to diversify risk away from Puerto Rico. 
so so as a family we got together and said well what are the expertise that we have that we can export outside Puerto Rico and we can leverage that expertise and that we are that our wealth uh, is still safe but you can uh, diversify a little bit more so that's why we decided to then to diversify uh, into the US and then start investing in the US in, in real estate in multifamily housing okay so you started into multifamily about eight years ago then in the United States? Yes, correct. Okay. And what, was that as the general partner or primarily as a limited partner or a combination of both? It started as a combination of both, more into the limited partner arena. Mm-hmm. But once we started learning more and, and our executive that we, that we hired or not that we decided to use here, uh, start learning more, then we move more into the general partner arena. So how long did it take for you guys to go from, um, you know, being a little bit of both as an LP to decide to say, okay, we're ready to, to really dive in as the general partner? Uh, probably took us about three years. Okay. To do that. As, as we, we, we kind of, one, once we felt, felt comfortable understanding the dynamics. Uh, yep. then, then we moved to the general partner, and then we started small into buying just one property where we were going to be just the general partner, and from there then we start buying others. As once we have learned after that small property that we bought at the beginning. So where, where were you buying the properties in the States? We were buying the properties in Columbus, Ohio, and in the Indianapolis, Indiana. So what made you what made you choose Columbus? I mean, of of all the places to go from Puerto Rico, <laughs> to go to Indianapolis and Columbus, um, what made you choose those markets? Well, uh, ironically, as always, you, there is always a connection. So we had a couple of friends <laughs> that were doing business in Columbus, and uh, and they said, and they introduced us this group of. Uh, of property managers in Columbus that they say, well, guys, you should look at this. This could be a nice uh, place where you can invest. So through these friends, uh, we decided to go and visit uh, this group in Columbus. Uh, we did our due diligence, and, uh, and from there, we started investing in Columbus. Uh, and also, uh, we can also, before that, we had done a, a matrix of where the things that we're going to uh, be looking for in our investments, and in that matrix, uh, we decided that they have to be secondary or tertiary markets. We're not going to go into the uh, gateway markets. Uh, it should be markets that have good uh, 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 facilities as airports, uh, communication terminals, transportation hubs, uh, should uh, have uh, good uh, medical uh, system hospitals uh, nearby. Uh, and as well as uh, as job growth and employment growth, so we did our due diligence as well, uh, looking into these uh, markets. Uh, so when we started basically getting into Columbus, it was it was like one year before uh, the recession for the U.S. So so that was in 2006. So. Um and did you use, did you do all internal due diligence or did you utilize some third-party due diligence in that process? 
No, we we use that for for that process at the beginning internal intelligence, and uh, also we we use the uh, uh, facilities and resources of the uh, future partners in Columbus and Indianapolis. So they helped us a lot in that process at the beginning. Got you. Now, do you still own properties in Columbus and Indianapolis? Yes, we have. We have. Uh, we have two properties in Indianapolis, uh, two properties in Columbus, and two properties in Indianapolis. I would imagine that they've done quite well. Yeah, they have done very well. Uh, actually, we, we sold, uh, we had four properties in Columbus, no, uh, five properties in Columbus, and we sold three of them uh, last year. Uh, Got it. And would. And were these sizes, but what, what was the, the size of the assets when you started buying these assets? Were they between, you know, 5 and 20 million or 1 million and 10 million? How, how, what were the size range? Yeah, uh, the, big, the, the first one that we bought, were between, it, it, was between, it was between 5 to 10 million. Yep. And then uh, after that, we kept buying more between the 15 to 20 million. Uh -huh. so, so these were uh, size uh, assets about the size of uh, I would say 300 uh, between 250 units to 300 units, no more than that. Although we had we had a, a larger property was uh, was uh, about 35 million, so it was that was about uh, uh, 600 units. And so you were and you were acting as the GP and the major investor in these properties, correct? Correct. Yeah, we actually what happened is when in two of those properties we were LPs, and yeah. then we approached the rest of the uh, investor, and then we bought them out and became GPs. Got it. So now, in the last, um, you know, within the last what six to eight months or so, you've decided to sort of take the business to the next level. Correct. Correct. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that thought process and, and what, what made you come to that idea and um, the, the, the steps that you went through. Okay. So uh, we have to think again about Puerto Rico, looking at its economic situation, and, and Puerto Rico has been in a recession for the past uh, 12 years. So, so just looking into that, we said, well, uh, growth in Puerto Rico has been really, it's going to be very difficult, so then that's kind of what pushes us to decide uh, to invest more and grow then the portfolio uh, more rapidly into the U.S. Uh, and the thinking again was to, uh, to diversify the, the risk, but now uh, we felt more comfortable with what we have learned, so uh, our most logical step was to open a new office outside Puerto Rico uh, from, uh, from there in the U.S., then manage the assets that we have bought and that we'll continue to buy. Of course, as everyone knows, uh, uh, the last year, uh, so we had a hurricane in Puerto Rico, so, so that has also changed a lot of the dynamics here about the investment and, and, and how people uh, looks into Puerto Rico uh, to invest. So, so for us, it was important uh, to then accelerate the process uh, so we can, uh, as a family company, 
we can diversify the wealth so the next generation has another area where they can uh, come in and, and also participate, and not only in the media part. So, so now you're obviously, you know, leading this charge for the family. Did you decide to use another family member in order to be local in the U.S. and to start helping to build out the portfolio, or did you actively look for, um, you know, a, a, a professional to help with the development of this uh, of this um, st uh, strategy? Of, yeah, of course, we decided to go and find a professional help that uh, will uh, support the family strategy. I think that uh, we as a family, as always, have done that. We always have find uh, that it's very important to uh, uh, work with uh, uh, managers that have that experience. Uh, so so in, in, in our case, in, in, in real estate, uh, we had the experience more in Puerto Rico, not in the U.S., and if we were going to grow the portfolio more quickly, then we needed somebody that would help us to do that. So that's why we hire an, a, 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 an external uh, manager. This is not a family member. And uh, we hired that person, and we hired a, a two other persons as well to support uh, their, their roles and functions for us to grow uh, the, uh, the portfolio. So, so we decided to consolidate everything under one uh, group. So now what we have created is called Kingbird Properties, so the King Bay Properties is based in Boston, but all the assets, all the real estate assets are now under that uh, group. So, so now we have Puerto Rico assets, we have the U.S. assets, and then we have the South American assets. So those three buckets uh, are under uh, King Bay Properties. And, and this uh, uh, external manager and non-family member with these other uh, associates uh, manage uh, the portfolio with the family with me uh, one of the family members so is this group uh, managing then the properties in those three different uh, areas when you said it was uh, 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 Puerto Rico the US and where was the third again yeah what happens is we have a group in Puerto Rico so, yep. so we have a management group in Puerto Rico that manages the asset in Puerto Rico we have this yeah. group that I mentioned manages the assets, and what I mean manages the assets in the U.S. Is, is, are the ones that look at investment, do all the due diligence, all, all that has to be done. And, and then this uh, group in the U.S., then we go into partnership with uh, property managers. So we don't manage the asset directly with partners with other local property managers, and they manage yep. the asset for us. And then we have... What I mean is that... Is a group in Boston also managing the assets in Puerto Rico and Spain, I think you said? No, uh, South America and Chile. Okay. Yeah. So in Chile, uh, we have, it, that's a very small investment in student housing, so that, that man, we manage that uh, from here from Puerto Rico with, uh, with a, a partner in Chile, in Santiago. Got it. Okay. So at what time ha have you started, um, as you build your portfolio, um, how big are you looking to build this uh, portfolio with Kingbird Properties? We're trying to build a portfolio within the next five years to reach about uh, 5,000 units. Uh, and then uh, in terms of, of value, uh, 
to get to reach around the $500 million value uh, and then 5,000 units. That, so is your, is, is your strategy to use only family money or are you starting to allow um, friends and family to co-invest? Yes, our strategy again is to uh, focus on workforce housing, on, on, uh, on secondary and tertiary markets, and with that, we'll use our own cap family capital, but then we are inviting other families and friends, but two, we are inviting uh, fa other family offices and other high net worth individuals, so we can then uh, be more efficient on how we use our capital so we can buy more assets as we have more partners. So our strategy has focused from the beginning by being by our, only ourselves and now more into uh, raising capital with, uh, with uh, other family offices and other high net worth individuals that want to participate with us. Now, do you plan, and what's your strategy for these assets when you start bringing in other families? Are you looking to buy and hold for a very, very long time? Are you looking to buy, do a value-add, and sell? What, what's the strategy for the assets themselves? Okay, so the, the strategy for the assets themselves is for us, it's going to be value-add strategy, so we'll buy the assets that are uh, assets that are between the 1970s, 1980s, try to, of course, improve those assets in those uh, selected markets and other markets, uh, increase the value of the assets, and then whoever invests with us, we are not, our strategy is not going to be the flip-flop strategy that we try to immediately do the value-add and then, and then immediately change, uh, sell it after we, we, we do the value-add. On the contrary, we'll, we'll do the value-add and we'll keep the, the property for a longer period of time. Uh, so we'll go probably one or two or three cycles uh, with the property. So we'll try to refinance at some point and then uh, return uh, the capital to the investors. And, and if they want to stay with us, they can stay and, 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 and keep uh, benefiting from, from the cash on cash distribution that we'll distribute every year uh, for each of the properties that we buy. We are not going to do a fund. So this is not uh, a fund at this moment. We're going to do uh, deal by deal, specific, and, and bring investor to each specific deal. Now, how do you plan on structuring with the family? Are you charging, um, you know, I, obviously there's a cost to run the business. Yeah. Um, you've got, and, and there's a cost to identify the properties, uh, and there's a cost to manage the, the properties Themselves. So how do you plan on working with other families from a cost perspective? Will you charge a, uh, you know, a promote of some sort, or is it uh, a, a true 50-50? Or, I mean, what's your plan for that? Our plan for that is that we want to uh, charge, of course, some, some percentage, what we would call an incentive per performance fee. Yep. And that will probably... Uh, We'll, we'll put together all the different uh, type of, uh, of fees that many other groups do. We'll try to put it in one fee, if possible. That's something that we're working right now when we're presenting as we speak to a group, uh, to a new group that is going to invest with us, uh, and try not to also, also not to overfee. 
we want to be sure that we are competitive, and and and, in, and we want to very 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 want to be very transparent on on, on the fee terms because I know this is something that is sometimes uh, delicate uh, between family offices, and, and right. have the most transparency as possible on the fees. And this is a and we are very open. This is an open discussion. We are very flexible, and each each deal will dictate also the fees. Uh, and, and, and how those fees are going to be managed as well. But we'll, we'll, we, at this time, we're calling them uh, the incentive performance fee. Got it. Um, and um, what was I going to say? So, the, the, so it's, it's really focused on these secondary tertiary markets, class B buildings, should we say multifamily workforce housing, um, with a value add that you can refinance out and then hold for the cash flow long term. Correct. That, that pretty much sums sum up. Yep. So, <clears throat> got you. And where are you targeting um, from a, uh, a future assets? We are, you mean markets? Yes. Okay, so we are targeting, we're still targeting Columbus and Indianapolis because we, don't, we actually know them very well now. So we, we feel very comfortable with those two markets. But also we're targeting markets uh, in uh, uh, Florida, so, uh, uh, close to uh, which are not Miami or, or Orlando. They're more to the north of Florida and the Panhandle. So, so we're focusing in that market. We're focusing North Carolina and South Carolina uh, because we had invested there already and uh, and we have sold some of the properties as well. And then the, the other market there we are focusing is, um, which is a larger market, but still I would say it's not a gateway market. Uh, we have found some good opportunities it's in Austin, Texas. So, so that's the other other market that uh, we are right now. So basically, it's kind of the middle part of the U.S. If you want to look at that way a little bit more. A little, Middle and a little bit uh, south. Got it. Um, I was going to ask, uh, what was that? Something else. I'm trying to think. I, I lost my train of thought here for a second. Oh, have you ever thought, you know, as as in the U.S., um, you know, parts of the growing demographics mm -hmm. are Hispanic of nature um, from from you know, very parts, various parts of the, of the world. Have you thought about targeting any of these multifamily properties toward the Hispanic population, or is it just strictly workforce and that's going to be a mixture of whomever? I think that, that's a very good question. That's a conversation that actually we're having right now. Uh, but at this moment, I uh, most probably will stick to the workforce housing, and if Hispanics are there in those workforce housing, then that, that for us will be an opportunity. But I'm, I'm not sure, I'm being very honest, I'm not sure if we can segregate uh, workforce housing and, uh, and then Hispanics uh, growth, uh, population growth and participation in this, in this type of housing. Yes, things that we're doing basically is also looking at the management side of the property. So if we know we have a large uh, concentration or we know we are in a market that will have a large concentration of Hispanics, 
then we'll, we'll try to manage the property in a way that, for example, the property manager or the in-house manager that in the property has to, uh, has to speak Spanish and has to have a knowledge about the Hispanic market and, 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 and as well then manage the property a little bit different in, in that way. Right. Uh, but uh, trying to, at this moment, uh, building or a portfolio, try to build a portfolio of, of uh, housing for Hispanics, uh, I still feel it's just still a little bit challenging uh, uh, because of the demographics and the complexity of the demographic and growth and the diversity as well of these markets. Got it. So, um, you know, I guess my last question is, is that um, there was the hurricane that went down into Puerto Rico. Um, so, so have you been seeing some um, progress being made uh, within Puerto Rico? And what was the damage on the real estate in Puerto Rico? Okay, uh, let me ask the last question first. The damage has been substantial in Puerto Rico in terms of real estate uh, because it, it, it depends on how you see real estate, but uh, if, you, if you look at whatever is housing, as one piece of real estate, that that was the most that was damaged in, in, here in Puerto Rico with the hurricane winds and the rain. So a lot of uh, of housing needs probably will be one one area for Puerto Rico for future investments. In the in the segment of uh, industrial and office building, uh, commercial, etc., the damage wasn't that bad, but of course. Uh, since you had a lot of people that were hurt in the housing part, then uh, there is a lot of uh, people then that has moved away from Puerto Rico and they have migrated to the U.S. and that has impacted commercial leasing uh, and then uh, as well as uh, office leasing and, and, and warehousing. But still, with all the funds that we're seeing that will come to Puerto Rico, probably that will have a, a, a positive effect on those other segments as housing and, and, and retail and, and office. The, the key question here is to answer is that, as you probably know, uh, the, the U.S. Uh, government has put about 30, million, 30 billion uh, of funds into Puerto Rico in different in different categories, uh, and the issue is not how much money. The issue is how quickly that money can be deployed, and they have put a lot of restrictions on how that money has to de be deployed. Very different from uh, from Texas with Harvey and uh, Florida uh, with Irma. Uh, funding there was really quick. And, and it reached then the, the right points uh, to make the difference. Here, funding is available, but hasn't been released yet, or has been released very slowly. So, so that's the challenge that we're facing right now on how funding can be distributed in, in more uh, equitable manner and, and fashionable manner compared to the states. So. Um you mentioned that housing was really hit the hardest. Do you do you foresee in the future, um, and it may be years down the road, that uh, your 
real estate um, focus and investments would go back into Puerto Rico in some capacity with multifamily there? Yeah, I foresee something. That I, don't, I foresee something like that. I'm not. I, I'm not uh, clear yet on the type of multifamily because Puerto Rico is not a multifamily market. Here, most of the people own their homes, so probably right. this situation will force for people to look at another option, and it will, will force more the up the multifamily market as an option. And and how housing new projects must be developed to entertain that option. Because right now, most of the projects that you have here are more your type of traditional housing, are your, your neighborhoods, traditional neighborhood housing, so you don't have the garden-style apartments. Uh, and, and, and that now, uh, looking at what we're facing, probably that will change towards that type of focus, and more, more so into the portable housing or, or portable units or smaller units. Uh, because there's a lot of uh, scarcity of land in Puerto Rico, so if you want to develop a project and you want to maintain your cost low, then portable units will be a, an option uh, for, for that uh, into the future. And more as, as more and more my millennials come into the market and more of the baby boomers move out of the market, that will shift uh, towards that uh, uh, segment of people uh, not owning, but more renting uh, uh, apartment units or or housing. Okay, so um, and then do you foresee? Are you do you foresee looking at your real estate company as part of the allocation of the family's wealth? And if so, mm-hmm. how how do you view that? Do you view that as as you know, part of the income of the family wealth, or um, what's your what's your I guess yeah. your viewpoint on that? Yeah, uh, at, at this point, yes, uh, that uh, the uh, real estate will be part of the family wealth and how that family wealth is going to distribute. Uh, right now, we have our next generation. There, uh, there, uh, thirteen of those. Uh, and uh, most of them, we have a small group now in, in college and, and graduating from college. So we have to develop a portfolio that uh, they have the opportunity, if they come into the business, to manage as well. So, so at the end of the day, we'll keep our media, as we call our three major areas of investment, which one is media, with all the different things that entails within that media. We have what we call customer engagement. That is, it's for you to know. It's more. It's call center, but it's 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 more than call center. It has also database management, mailing and fulfillment, and other services. And then we have the other area of investment uh, that is real estate. So within that real estate, then we'll allocate resources as as we feel as the family group because we have our family council every month, and within the family council, we decide how do we allocate uh, the uh, investment through, a different, through these different three different areas. So yes, real estate will be an, an integral part for us as a family group to grow further uh, away from the risk in Puerto Rico, but also in Puerto Rico, we'll 
still invest in farm in real estate if we find the right opportunity to. Got it. Well, Antonio, um, I'm gonna. This has been fantastic, and uh, you know, I, I think we've got a ton of information here. Um, let me let me let me shut off.